1: Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. Welcome to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media.
3: I'm Jim DeRogatis, the pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'm Greg Cotter. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune. Today on the world's only rock and roll talk show, Jim and I welcome up-and-coming Scottish rock band Frightened Rabbit. Plus, we'll review a soundtrack
1: that's in big contention at the Oscars, Slumdog Millionaire.
3: You're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time to welcome our newest affiliates. Yes, Jim, it is that time, and we have a flood of new affiliates this week to welcome. KDLJ in Dillingham, Alaska, Tri-State Public Radio in Macomb, Illinois, and the nine stations of New Jersey Public Radio. Now, normally, we like to play a song, that is representative of the areas we're joining. And unfortunately, we can't play songs from all of these areas, so we had to focus on just one this time. Well,
1: New Jersey wins out because, let's face it, it's got the most muscle, and there's nine stations, okay? (laughs) And really, New Jersey Public Radio covers the entire state, from Sussex County in the very north all the way down to the tip of Cape May in the south. Now, as a child of Jersey City, New Jersey, (laughs) I have never been hesitant to play a lot of New Jersey music ...on this show. I've uh, waxed Rhapsodic about the Feelies and the Bongos, some of the bands that were important to me in Hudson County and Hoboken growing up. What are you going to do to welcome the whole state of New Jersey, though? Do you go with Francis Albert? Do we go with <laughs> Sinatra? Do we go with, like, you know, a little deeper, Connie Francis or, or uh, uh, Frankie Valli? I don't know, Blondie came from Jersey. Lauren Hill was born in Jersey. There's that, you know, what, that, that Springsteen guy and mm. that Bon Jovi guy. No, no, no. I was thinking, you know, anywhere in the world, literally... Anywhere punks are gathered in more than three or four, you will see a familiar T-shirt, and it is the skull emblem, which of course is the logo of the Misfits. A great gift from the state of New Jersey to the punk underground, formed in Lodi, you know, by Glenn Danzig and the boys in the early '80s. This record that I'm going to play, "Walk Among Us," uh, was their first full-length album to really get out there. It was recorded in Booton, New Jersey. This song is called "Violent World." What other great song title from a bunch of guys in Jersey than Violent World? Here's the Misfits on Sound Opinions.
3: It's Violent World from the Misfits, and we once again welcome all our newest affiliates.
1: That is the song Boilermaker by the uh, Chicago noise band The Jesus Lizard, probably the single group most closely associated with the local label Touch & Go Records. In fact, Touch & Go was gearing up to put out a series of Jesus Lizard reissues. This is a really important record label in the U.S., The news we have today is sad, and it's going to have a huge impact across the United States. Touch and Go will stop distributing some 20 associated indie labels across the United States of America. A lot of the coolest indie labels in the country, Drag City, All Natural jade tree merge records from north carolina would come to touch and go in chicago to have their cds pressed manufactured and then distributed to record stores across the country the company for more than two decades has been doing this service and is renowned for its honesty (laughs) it's it's handshake Mm -hmm. deals Corey rusk started this company more than 25 years ago as a label to put out bands like the jesus lizard and uh, literally hundreds of other classic indie releases and then branched out uh, more than two decades ago to start helping other labels get their music out there. Mm-hmm. And if you want to know more about it, you know we profiled them in 2006 on the occasion of their 25th anniversary. That show is in our archives. What is going to happen to these labels in the wake of Touch and Go saying it's not going to provide this service? None of this is quite clear yet, but it's going to have major impact
3: on the American indie music scene. Yeah, this is devastating news. And we, we spoke to Corey, in fact, today as we were preparing this news story, and you could clearly see that this was... Was extremely painful for him to have to go through. This is the economic reality of 2009. Everybody's getting pinched, obviously, with the recession, and certainly the independent music scene as well. Clearly, he's going to be shrinking his operation, and what's going to happen to these 20-plus independent labels that have been using touch-and-go distribution and manufacturing, as you pointed out, is even more intriguing and potentially devastating. Can they get their music into retail outlets in a timely manner in order to stay alive, in order to have new product out there?
1: Yeah, no doubt about it, Greg. It's a sad day for indie music in the U.S., and we're going to have to see how this story shakes out.
3: That was the Madonna track four minutes from her last studio album, Hard Candy. was one of the reasons that she was the highest revenue-earning artist in 2008. No really big surprise there. What is interesting to note, Jim, is that uh, Hard Candy was only the 50th best-selling album of 2008. Wow. Uh, She was only 14th in uh, selling digital downloads and she had no ranking whatsoever in selling ringtones <laughs> and yet she made 240 plus million dollars in 2008 mostly through touring another little side note to the reason that madonna was the highest revenue earning artist in 2008 $18 million in tour merchandise. Man, so when that's we talk, a lot of T-shirts. That's a lot of T-shirts, a lot of Madonna trinkets. So when we talk about this Live Nation 360 deal that she did with the, the major concert promoter, 10 years, $120 million in which Live Nation would share in all the music-related revenue that Madonna brings in, it's starting to make a little sense. If she can bring in $240 million a year by being on the road, that deal's starting to look a little bit better for Live Nation. The question being... What will Mandana be making 10 years from now when she's pushing 60? All right, that's a good question. Now, this is our last revenue list story of 2008.
1: This is the list that just came out of the top artists who made the most money, period, in all...
3: Venues, right? Yeah, in, in all areas. Uh, all right, so Madonna's number one. Who else is on there? Combined income, Bon Jovi, a, a distant second at $150 million. Not that I would call $150, wow. $150 million <laughs> anything to sneeze at. Springsteen, right behind Bon Jovi, also at, a, at about $150 million. The police with $109 million. And Celine Dion, the youngest performer in this top five, <laughs> with $99 million made from all sources of revenue in 2008.
1: You're listening to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis. I'm here with Greg Cott in the Jim and K Maybe Performance Studio. And we are here with uh, one half, two quarters of Frightened Rabbit,
3: Grant and Scott Hutchinson. Welcome, guys, to the show. Hi. Hi. Thank, thank
4: you. Thank you.
3: Well, we have this bedraggled touring band here. They're on their third tour of uh, North America since this album came out last year, The Midnight Organ Fight. Second album from the group and uh, much acclaimed. I would note that uh, they finished in the top forty of the Village Voice Paz and Jop poll. Yeah, the impressive. critics the critics agree this is one of the best albums of the year. Better than the Kings of Leon record. Better than the Metallica record. Better than Beck. Yeah, <laughs> the critics
4: we were we, the one we were really pleased about was we, we beat Death Cab because you had toured with. Toured yeah, with yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: So I'm looking forward to sending a little email about that <laughs> next yeah. time you guys <laughs> open for us. <laughs> so. yeah, right, yeah. right. Now all you need is yeah. their album sales and you guys would be set. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's a progression for you guys because we have the two of you, Scott and Grant, in acoustic mode here. And it sort of dials it back to uh, four or five years ago when this band was starting. I mean, it's now a full-blown electric thing live and in, in concert. Yeah. But when you started this band, Scott, it was basically you and that guitar you're holding right now, right? Not this
4: very one. This is a brand new guitar. But, <laughs>
3: yeah, a version, you know, very much like this, six strings,
4: same tuning. And, um, yeah, it was a lone, solitary project, mainly because no one would join me. <laughs> so uh, so yeah it's 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 all due to circumstance but um you know one member per year since then mm-hmm. uh we've been really steadily growing so who knows next year another you have to choose your the members wisely i guess i started with my brother well first mistake but um, <laughs> you know you spend a lot of time together and it's uh, it's important to get the characters all fit, fitting together. well and you you actually came to songwriting fairly late right scott yeah, I mean, I, I only really started, uh, but prior to that, you know, I started when I was about eighteen. Uh, prior to that, you know, I was I was in high school and it was all about shredding and <laughs> you know solos. That's what that's what turned the heads. Following that, I actually kind of made a c- conscious decision to try to become worse on the guitars so that I could become better at songwriting because it's not really conducive to stick a long you know, solo in this uh, kind of, uh, unless you're Bon Jovi, into this uh, tale of heartache and woe. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, it seemed more appropriate to drop the um,
3: shenanigans with all the, the soloing. So. so you could do some finger tapping for us on that uh, acoustic if you... Yeah, now we need
1: to do I told you, you I forgot how to do it. <laughs> I, I oh, <laughs> oh, lame it out.
3: <laughs> but, so Grant, when you went to, uh, did you attend any of your brother's solo gigs? What, what did you think?
5: don't know if i did actually um uh, i was actually living i was living in uh i was still living with our parents at the time and the move for both of you
1: was from selkirk to glasgow Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. where is selkirk excuse my my ignorance of scotland oh
5: no it's excused it's um in the borders in the south
4: It's, it's like 40 miles south of edinburgh so uh yeah we're talking about like 100 miles from glasgow which in scotland is far I know mm-hmm. that's nothing to you guys. You basically drive that to go and see a concert. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, to us it seems it's far enough away that uh, you can forget about your hometown again.
5: Yeah, but close enough that you can go home to get your laundry done. And we—oh, that's
4: good. That's yeah. good. And we now both live in Selkirk again. Yeah, really.
5: <laughs> yeah. Well, this this uh, sort of rock and roll uh, lifestyle. Still not paying off yet. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so the rent is much cheaper there. Well, <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. The flat the food is better. Uh, yeah. yeah.
3: And mom has the washing machine. Exactly. The
1: bills are lower. <laughs>
3: well, so you're 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 not in, in the middle of you know that UK scene has famously has a has a very active music press. A lot of London acts get covered, or the hot town, whether it's Manchester or Liverpool, that month. Was it, was it a help or was it a hindrance to be relatively remote in terms of where you started and how you, how you started playing out live?
4: Um, you know, there is an eye on Glasgow's music scene uh, throughout the UK, but that said, you still have to go play your London show. And that London show, it's, 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 it's a really expensive thing to do when you're just starting out. You know, you have to get the train or, or bus or whatever. And it's just so much pressure on this one show and you have maybe two or three industry figures
5: coming by. And it's just,
4: oh, until for years we just couldn't get it
5: right. We played about five London shows before we actually played a good one. Mm. Because everyone, as soon as you go down there, it's, everyone's telling you it's got to be good. You know, so-and-so's <laughs> coming, so and so. And I'm like, I don't care. Don't we, these, these are the people that don't even pay to go to gigs. You know, they get on right, the guest right. list. So <laughs> yeah. you're like, I'd rather that the guy who paid five pounds to see us enjoyed it than some guy who's not going to sign us after we yeah. play mm. a show that's not very good. So
4: After the f- those experiences, we stopped caring, and that's when things actually started to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I would, you know, to younger bands in Glasgow and stuff who are all about London and wanting to get down there, you know, you have to do it. But I say, like, don't get too worked up it's not going to it's not going to bring riches
5: and gold the, the streets are actually paved with dirt and litter and gum <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so and it's not like if you do play like like we said we played some really b- awful shows and and if you do that's not going to be your last one you mm-hmm. know glasgow now is a kind of like you were saying about which city it is at a certain time in music and at the moment i think it's, it is glasgow mm-hmm. people are really like, the, the bands there are turning heads all, all around the country.
3: Only a matter of time before uh, Glasgow and Frightened Rabbit conquer the world, I guess. Huh? <laughs> it's uh, it's exactly. your turn. Yeah. Uh, well, let's hear some music, guys, before we continue the conversation. Sure. This song's called Poke.
0: Poke at my iris Why can't I cry about this? Maybe there is something that you know that I don't we adopt brand new language Communicate through pursed lips And you try not to put on any sexy clothes or graces I might never catch a mouse And present it in my mouth To make you feel you're with someone who deserves to be with you But there's one thing we've got going And it's the only thing worth knowing it's got lots to do with magnets and the pull of the moon Why won't our love keel over as it chokes on a bone And we can mourn its passing and then bury it in snow Or should we kick its head in watch as it dies from bleeding If you don't want to be with me just say and I will go partners this is a progressive dance but remember it was me who dragged you up to the sweaty floor well this has been a real and I've got shin splints and a stitch from we but like a drunken night it's the best bits that are coloured in you should look through some old photos I adored you in every one of those Someone took a picture of us now, they'd need to be told that we had ever clung and tied. And maybe not with arms at night. I'd say she was his sister, but she doesn't have his nose. And now we're unrelated and rid of all the bits we hated by. Hate when I feel like this, and I never hated. Thank you.
3: That was "Poke," performed by Frightened Rabbit, live on Sound Opinions. We're going to continue our discussions with group members Scott and Grant Hutchinson in a minute on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. And then later on, we're going to review the latest release from Morrissey.
1: Back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. We're continuing our conversation with Scott and Grant Hutchinson, half of the Scottish Quartet Frightened Rabbit. Earlier in the show, we heard singer and guitarist Scott perform the song Poke live in our Jim and K. Maybe studio. I wanted to ask them about writing such personal material. gorgeous song, Poke. And obviously, Scott, a uh, a, a touching tale of heartbreak. Mm. I know you've told this story a lot, but much of the Midnight Organ Fight is about the end of a relationship. Sure, absolutely. She, she left you with something memorable, this, yeah, this set yeah, of songs. Yeah,
4: a souvenir to the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I love that image of the cat with the mouse in its, uh, <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. in its mouth. Were you worried at any point about sharing too much of yourself in these songs? It was a funny thing. I mean,
4: I, when, when I was writing the songs frightened rabbit didn't have much of an audience at all so there was very little awareness that people would be hearing it i was you know locked up in my room not not actually literally locked up uh, that would be <laughs> that would have made it on the news but like uh i was alone and it was a solitary experience writing and demoing and just the lack of awareness and lack of inhibition allowed me to do that nothing else i mean i'm a naturally shy kind of retiring guy which is weird for a singer I guess but it was only when it came out that I thought oh (laughs) hang on (laughs) there's a lot there but um, I think people have come to appreciate the honesty I Mm -hmm. guess And, and hopefully you know it's not too selfish a kind of Document in that it's kind of relatable. I hope
1: you know, rather than being like a, a big old Dear Diary splurge. Oh right? yeah, well, right I don't to. think there's anyone who hasn't had that experience of looking exactly. at that photograph and wondering who was that person that I was so close to. Right,
4: right. Well, this is it. I know. Um, and and it is a well trodden path. Is the is the heartbreak song. Um, so hopefully you know, I, I tried to put
3: some slightly new slants on that. In that particular kind of genre. Well, that, that, that's interesting you bring that up because I think that it is absolutely true that that's a long tradition. Mm. And I mean, we had you know one of the biggest pop stars in the universe uh, in the last year put out "808s and Heartbreak," you know, and now right. I'm totally devoted to that subject about a breakup mm. with with a long term relationship. You know, you go back to something like "Sister Lovers" by Big Star. I mean, this this is a big theme in, in music, and uh, it's wrenching. Mm. Uh, so when you start you, know, you start down this path. How do you say to yourself well geez there there's a really amazing tradition of this stuff, blood on the tracks by bob dylan how do you how do you live up to a standard you know of, of that you know, do, do you well, think about that
4: Well, I tried not to think about it It was actually only recently I, I was I was doing an interview in in Boston, and I only just realized perhaps that 's why some of the imagery is is perhaps quite unique and quite my own is that it's been done a million times before, so in a sense, if I was to write about a completely New or less well trodden path uh, or subject, then uh, I might not be moved to express myself in a in a, in a different way i guess i didn 't think I was stepping into any kind of genre or timeline, and um it was really just because it was the most important thing that was happening to me at the time I think that 's why everyone does it and mm-hmm. because i can't think can 't think about anything else and i can 't write about anything else because it 's actually all I can think about did it help i don 't <laughs> even know um, <laughs> The pounding of the songs on tour may have actually helped you know mm. uh, it's, it's deadened um, <laughs> also uh, you know also it was two and a half years ago, so we're we we're, we're talking in general terms people people get over stuff, but uh it was less a therapy than more uh kind of a cutting off of that particular period and framing it almost in this album
1: mm-hmm. I think that's a question better directed to Grant yeah uh, Greg, <laughs> you know after he wrote these
3: songs, was he less of a mope? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> 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 but Grant, when you hear a song like that, or uh, you know, the the modern leper, at that point, did you actually have a consoling bone in your body and say, "Geez, is everything okay, Scott?" Well, I mean, no,
5: I think it was uh, it was floating in the fourth. It was a song that Scott basically dis- discussing with himself whether he should jump off the fourth road bridge in Edinburgh or not. That 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 was the one that kind of got me mm. thinking. Oh, Maybe you need some help or something.
0: So you just step out of the front of my house and I'll never see you again. I closed my eyes for a second and when they opened you weren't there. And the door shot shot, I was vacuum-packed, shrink dropped out of air. And the spine collapsed and the eyes rolled back To stare at my starving brain And fully clothed, I'll flow away. away Down the forth into the sea I think I'll save suicide for another day
5: Scott's not a person that generally would just sit down with someone and, and, and discuss that. I mean, I don't want to say like a normal person, but uh, yeah, and that's the type kind of person the that it
4: broadcasts it to the entire world. Yeah, instead, uh, <laughs> instead of yeah, yeah. yeah. instead of it's talking really to his twisted. brother. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, Sorry about it was. That. I, never, uh, I should have told you.
5: I mean, we the thing the point is that the, obviously, being Scott and I are close, and our older brother uh, the same as well, and we 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 all went through this the experience with him. Um and we didn't really talk about it. it. Was that was what he did? Was wrote, wrote these songs to kind of um, tell <laughs> everybody rather than just the one person. But definitely now he's a much happier person. We this this year has been really good to all of us, and I think playing those songs maybe over what two hundred times this year.
4: We yeah, I was cl- closing in on it. I guess yeah. yeah so.
5: Um, maybe takes the the sort of. The rawness, of we slightly from from the actual literal meaning of them anyway.
1: Well, and we should note that you have a new relationship, but she has
3: promised to dump you on occasion to make you exactly give yeah, you yeah, inspiration.
1: Discuss this with had yeah, already
5: set yeah. out, set <laughs> out at the start. At well, the does start.
3: the does the ex uh, just curious to turn the tables a little bit from her standpoint? I'm wondering if this is the kind of thing she said would have said. Well, I wish you'd said this to me directly when we were in this relationship, rather than. Waiting to put to put it on this record.
5: Uh, yeah, yeah, that 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 might have helped, um, <laughs> but then the album wouldn't have been as good. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, this is it, it. Would have been empty, yeah. <laughs> an instrumental piece. <laughs>
3: yeah, And have you talked to her at all about the the feelings that she she might have toward this record?
4: Uh, yeah, yeah, I have. She she once told me that sometimes she just pretends that it's not me, and it's just this kind of cool band called Frightened Rabbit that she's into and then other times it's just like oh gosh this is a <laughs> this is a little bit full on so so yeah I, I think i think she's able to maybe remove herself from the equation from time to time and um there really was no argument about the details because it's it is all true and it's and i am made stuff up and i and I, th- I think i've been faithful to the arc of that particular uh, relationship and hopefully rather than making people feel uncomfortable with you know too much information i think it's it's nice that the people I've met anyway have said that you are kind of like able to step into the songs and become that character and when, I, when we play live now there's, uh, there's this feeling of you know these people are lost in their own story when, when we're playing
3: and it's less about me mm-hmm. anymore which is yeah. great So this album is their therapy now <laughs> Yeah it's passed on it's
4: just, Our shows are just full of couches
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you give us another song?
4: I will, I'm going to play the Modern Leper
0: Amongst you all you tired human beings. He's got all things a crippled has not to working, arms and legs. And fight apart far from his system, dissolving Scottish rain Vitally, he doesn't miss him, too messed up to care. Like you in front of me, coming back for even more. I'm exactly the same. You must be a masochist. You love a modern leper and his last leg on his last 100 times still Can't work out why You see I've got this disease I can't shake And I'm just Rattling through life Oh this is how We do things now Yeah this is how The modern state's scared So I cut out All the good stuff Well I cut off my food By my land, inside you, in front of me. Coming back for even more, exactly the same. You must be a masochist. You love a modern rapper in his last leg. I am ill, I'm not dead. I don't know which of those I'd prefer. Because that limb which I have lost
3: That is the leadoff track from the uh, latest album from Frightened Rabbit, "The Midnight Organ Fight." The name of the song is "The Modern Leper." You must have known that you struck gold when you uh, wrote that song because that it <laughs> was like a punch. When you hear this album and you put that song, and that's the first thing that hits you, you go, "Wow!" <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did. I. I did actually, yeah, you're right. It's really,
4: <laughs> I, I, there's no point in, in, in saying otherwise. Well, it, it, was, it, was, it was debated
5: really, as to what what should go on the album first as well yeah. by, by the label, and we were just like, that's the album in a song. Mm-hmm. So You know, we, we the guy we worked with on the record, Peter
4: Katus, he's worked with some big bands, and we were this relatively unknown band. Oh, he's done Interpol, he's done the yeah. National, right? Right, so we were kind of like, we, we could turn up at the studio. And uh, and he's like he's, he get this impression that he's like who why are, are these, are these guys <laughs> who are they and
1: we, then you know they st- should be at home playing on a mini disc yeah
5: <laughs> exactly well we had these we had brought the demos which were obviously fairly rough we'd done them in, in my flat and but his head turned was when he heard that song yeah. and he was like okay all right
4: and then and then things just got better from there and then you know now like he's a He's a real big champion of the band, and that was a real turning point, and it was a real setup for for the rest of the writing and, and, and where that was going to go. Because I knew it was a it was like kind of just tapping a well, and then it gushed out. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much, Scott Grant, everybody in the band for coming by. Thank you. Thanks for having us.
3: comment on our conversation with the members of Frightened Rabbit or anything else in the rock universe, call our hotline, 888-859-1800. Jim and I will be back after a short break on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media with reviews and my Desert Island Jukebox pick.
0: I'm working on my backwards walk Walking with no shoes or socks And the time rewinds to the end of May I wish we'd never met that man today I'm working on my faults and cracks Filling in the blanks and gaps And when I write them out they don't make sense I need you to pencil in the rest. I'm working on drawing a straight line, and I'll draw until I get one right.
6: Yeah.
3: Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. What you're listening to is a song called Jai Ho from the Slumdog Millionaire movie soundtrack. It is the song that plays over the closing credits. You see a, a lot of uh, young ghetto kids from Mumbai dancing on a train platform while this music blasts out of the speakers. And inevitably, people aren't filtering out in the movie theater when this song is playing. They sit riveted in their seats because it's such a compelling moment to close this film. Slumdog Millionaire, of course, nominated for 10 Academy Awards this weekend. By the time some of you listen to this show, we'll know how many it's actually won. It is also nominated in three of the music categories, Best Score and two entries in the best song category for an Oscar. The composer of much of this music is a man named A.R. Raman. He is a 43-year-old composer from India who has sold 200 million records around the world. Although not really well known in the West, that all may change with Slumdog Millionaire. There's a soundtrack for this movie that is out now. We're going to review it in a second. Let's listen to a piece of music from it composed by A.R. Raman. It's called Mausam and Escape on Sound Opinions.
1: That is the song Mausam and Escape by A.R. Rahman from the Slumdog Millionaire soundtrack. actually came out in December, Greg, on Interscope, but it's been building steadily ever since that release especially as we got closer to oscar hype it did win uh best soundtrack at the golden globes ramen is being discovered in a big way and in fact the many uh critics who are writing about him are heaping praise the likes of which you haven't seen on on anybody (laughs) in a long time he's either bernard herman the great soundtrack scorer who worked with alfred hitchcock or he is andrew lloyd weber Lloyd Webber himself stepped forward and said, I, I don't think Raman is actually me. I think he's Paul McCartney <laughs> coming from India and doing these uh, soundtracks. He scored more than 100 movies for Bollywood. Here he's working with Danny Boyle, who had an excellent use of music in the film Spotting. People keep saying the album stands on its own as an album. It's a great album. That's why we decided to review it. I would disagree. The first half is undeniably an invigorating and intoxicating mix of everything from acid rock guitar to the classic Indian sitar drone, African drumming, techno, and hip-hop. It's a really giddy buzz, but it starts to drag in the second half. I don't like that song, Jai Ho. You know, it's got a little bit of too much of like high school musical rah-rah <laughs> cheerleading, and even worse is the song that precedes it at the end of the record, Dreams on Fire, which Celine Dion would be embarrassed to record. It is such a schlocky ballad.
6: Your heart. On fire, and
1: so, you know, Raman is a giant, no
3: doubt about it, but not everything he does is as great as people are saying. Well, the Bollywood uh, aesthetic is very much this melodramatic formula. Huge orchestrations, lots of strings, uh, with incredibly ripe vocals over the top. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Dreams on Fire is is an example of that kind of singing, and it is pretty hard to take. But Jai Ho works for me because I, I love what he does with a number of, of these songs here is there, there's that heavy tribal drumming underneath it. He's also working a lot with classical orchestration, raga rock, as you were saying, the, a lot of sitars filtering through here, but also a lot of modern elements like techno and electronic dance music. I think it's a heady mix. Not all of it works, but I think as an introduction to Raman's music, it works very well. The collaborations with MIA are pretty exquisite. Osaya, the, one of his first collaborations with MIA uh, works really well. That's a keeper. you also got a reprise of her worldwide hit, Paper Planes, on this record as well. Uh,
1: Two versions of it, two different mixes, but that's been kicking around since 2007 uh, from her Kala
3: record. Nonetheless, I I would say that this is a buy-it record for me, Jim, because I think it is the best introduction to a guy who sold 200 million records around the world. I I have to disagree, Greg. I've
1: heard better Bollywood, I think, on the buy-it, burn-it, trash-it scale. This is a burn-it. I'm Something is squeezing my skull, Stephen Patrick Morrissey tells us on that song from his new album, Years of Refusal, here on Sound Opinions. Greg, it's been uh, a couple of years since Ringleader of the Tormentors, the last proper... Ma's studio album and he was in an odd mood then Uh, you know friends I have who are giant Morrissey fans swore that he was no longer celibate and indeed the line that everyone quoted you know there are explosive kegs between my legs (laughs) he was singing when last we heard from him at that point he was working with Tony Visconti the famous producer of David Bowie and T-Rex during the glam era now he's back with someone that he worked with earlier producer Jerry Finn who helmed You Are the quarry in 2004 it was a good match then they decided to come back together with much of Morrissey's regular side band Boz Boer on guitar and uh, Matt Walker on drums. Tragic footnote not long after they completed the album Finn died of a uh, cerebral hemorrhage at 39 so Morrissey fans are saying huge return to form by their hero let's play a little of this then we'll give our opinion on the I believe it's the ninth proper studio album from Steven Patrick Here's a song called All You Need Is Me on Sound Opinions.
6: All over the world And all you can do is Complain about me I was a small fat child In a welfare house There was only one thing I ever dreamed about Fate has just handed it to me Reveal.
3: That's all you need is me from the new Morrissey record Years of Refusal on Sound Opinions There should be a note on the album cover, Jim. I think Uh, we now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, (laughs) What the heck was Morrissey so happy about uh, a few years ago? Everybody was wondering, what what has he done? What is he doing? He's back to being miserable again, and I think people will embrace the miserablest inside Mr. Morrissey. Yes. He is telling us right up front from the very first song exactly where his head is at. I know by now you think I should have straightened myself out. Thank you. Drop dead. (laughs) (laughs) You know, talk about laying it out. I'm back to being a miserable mope. I hate the world. I hate humanity. Morrissey can get a little wearying when he does that. However, Jim, I think he's back in the same headspace that Nick Cave was around the time that he was turning 50 as well. The, The sort of midlife crisis railing against the world and coming back with some of the most aggressive rock music of his career yeah i mean this is one of the heaviest hardest hitting records he's ever made talk about raging against the dying of the light i mean this is a midlife crisis album in some ways it's like you know my life's never gonna get any better and here it is i'm gonna just shove it right down your throat you know yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so i admire the aggression here The quips aren't quite as free-flowing as in the past. I think when he does get so cynical, it becomes almost uh, hard to take, you know, unless there's a, a really good joke behind it. But the music is some of the best and hardest hitting that he's created in his solo career. And for that reason, I'd give this a buy-it. I have to say
1: it is a buy-it. The Morrissey faithful are debating only whether it's uh, his best album since The Smiths or his best album since Vauxhall and I in 1994. That's a little hyperbolic. It's not beginning to end perfect. There's some pseudo-mariachi nonsense on when I last spoke to Carol. That doesn't work. But you're right. Morrissey's back. He's miserable. Thank goodness I say buy it. I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. Just to cast away,
6: island lost at sea. Now I'm standing on my own. Standing far from home. Look come on. You remember, we were shipwrecked together. Standing out far from home.
1: As often as possible here on Sound Opinions, Greg or I like to take a trip to the desert island and drop a quarter in the jukebox there. Mr. Cott, it's your turn. Give us a tune.
3: Thank you, Jim. We're a little Brit-heavy on today's show, and I want to continue the trend. Fleetwood Mac is back on tour, one of your favorite bands, I know. Uh, yeah. Uh, And it's interesting to me because I think people sort of start the Fleetwood Mac history in the mid-'70s when Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks joined that band. But I think the band's greatest and grandest incarnation was its very first one, when it was known as Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac. Mm. Who the heck was Peter Green? Well, he was only, I think, the best of the blues guitarists on the British blues scene. And I take that information from a very reliable source, Eric Clapton. I once interviewed him about his rivals on that British blues scene. What about Page? What about Beck? what about all these other great guitarists? He said, no, Peter Green, he was the one. He was the one that everyone was looking at. A very intense style of blues in which he was absorbing a lot of what was coming out of Chicago, the hardest-hitting guitarist out of Chicago, Buddy Guy, Otis Rush, Magic Sam, incorporating them into his songwriting and bringing that sensibility into Fleetwood Mac. A pop side, melodies, but at the same time, this very intense, dark side of the music, which was exacerbated by his heavy use of LSD. In fact, Peter Green went crazy for a while, dropped out of the music business for 10 years. And his goodbye note to the band and to the music business was the song I'm going to play next. A brilliant mix of Chicago blues, that sinister, hellhound-on-my-trail vibe, combined with psychedelia a vision at night where he was dreaming he saw this green monster this green dog beckoning to him saying get out before it's too late he called it the green monolishie with a two-pronged crown and so the seeds for heavy metal i think you can hear the heaviness in those guitars of peter green and danny kirwin here here it is on sound opinions
6: Making me see things I don't want to see
1: Greg Cotts, Desert Island Jukebox pick, Fleetwood Max, the green Monolishie with the 2 prong crowd. Got
3: to say, I prefer Judas Priest's version, but, but <laughs> you were cool there. What do we have on the show next week? And don't forget the Melvin's version, too. That was very good, but I think the original still rules, Jim. Uh, next week, we have a great performer live in the studio for an interview and a performance, Nico Case.
1: As always, Sound Opinions was produced by our ace team of Todd Bachman, Jason Saldana, and Robin Lynn. While our executive producer, our fearless leader, a major soundtrack fan, is Tori Southside Malatia, but he was rooting for Wally to win in the Oscars.
3: sound opinions everyone's a critic so give us a call on our hotline 1-888-859-1800 i'm
6: calling you i'm calling you can you explain what you want to do new
4: messages
2: Hi, Jim and Greg. My name is John. I'm calling from Cincinnati, Ohio, and I wanted to say thanks for a great show this past week. I really appreciate the reporting that you've been doing on the uh, Clear Channel, Live Nation, Ticketmaster, Impending Doom. Um, One thing that hasn't been talked about that much is uh, what this does for the independent promoter. If uh, Live Nation and Ticketmaster end up being the same entity and I'm the independent promoter selling my tickets, there's a real data mining risk here of Live Nation being able to look at the financial ticket sales records and historical data of their competitors and use that to drive some more people out of business. So I think uh, the Justice Department really needs to take a good hard look at this and hopefully become naysayers of this deal because I think it could be one of the final coffin nails in the affordability for the average Joe like me to go see a live show. Thanks for all that you do. Keep up the good work.
1: Hi, this is
6: Amy, I'm calling from the Chicago Burbs, and I just wanted to add to the unconventional love song list tonight by Iggy Pop, not the David
1: Bowie version.
6: pop singing to his love as she's dying from a heroin overdose. It's romantic in a unconventional way, kind of disturbing, dark way. And that's about it. Love the show, guys. Keep it up. Thank you.
2: Everything
6: will be all right
2: tonight. Hi, my name is Alex Bronner. I live in Seattle. I'm calling, uh, Response to your question about unconventional love songs. And uh, my suggestion is Cold Crusher Mountain by Jonathan Colton. And uh, it's a love song from the character uh, Skeletor and He Man to some poor anonymous woman who he is taking a liking to. And he says, The voices inside my head tell me I shouldn't kill you. while well, you get the idea. Anyway, that's my suggestion. Uh, have a good day.
0: Welcome to my secret lair on Skullcrusher Mountain I hope that you've enjoyed your stay so far I see you've met my assistant Scarface His appearance is quite disturbing But I assure you he's harmless enough He's a sweetheart, calls me master And he has a way of finding pretty
6: Thank you so much for including Will to Love, the love song to a salmon by Neil Young in your offbeat Valentine song. That absolutely made my day. Like an ocean fish, we swam up. In my early 20s, I transcribed the lyrics to that entire song and included it in a letter, a love letter to a college friend. Uh, Needless to say, I got no reply to that letter, but I'm grateful that someone other than me has acknowledged the romance in that song. So thank you again from the bottom of my fishy heart. My name is Lisa Klobuchar, and thank you.